بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد So we have reached Hikmah number 135 which is page 212 of the Book of Wisdoms Ibn Ata'illah says مَا صَحِبَكَ إِلَّا مَنْ صَحِبَكَ وَهُوَ بِعَيْبِكَ عَلِيمٌ وَلَيْسَ ذَلِكَ إِلَّا مَوْلَاكَ الْكَرِيمِ خَيْرُ مَنْ تَصْحَبْ مَنْ يَطْلُبُكَ لَكَ لَا لِشَيْءٍ يَعُودُ مِنْكَ إِلَيْكَ مَا صَحِبَكَ إِلَّا مَنْ صَحِبَكَ وَهُوَ بِعَيْبِكَ عَلِيمٌ وَلَيْسَ ذَلِكَ إِلَّا مَوْلَاكَ الْكَرِيمِ We'll be looking at that part inshallah which is number 135. Ibn Ata'illah says, No one is a companion of yours except the one who, whilst knowing your defects, is still your companion. And that is only your generous Lord. No one is a companion of yours except the one who, while knowing your defects, is still your companion. Takes you for who you are. Takes you as you are. Knowing your defects, sees the potential and the good in you, and is still your companion. But the one that can fulfill this completely and properly is only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is only your Lord. Because He knows everything about us, even things that we may have forgotten. That means the true companion, if a true companion is the one who takes you how you are, as you are, and knows everything about you, but still stays with you, that can be nobody other than Allah. So that's the true companion. The true companion can only be Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's another reason for being with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and for reciprocating that. For recognizing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as the true companion, wanting to be his companion, fulfilling the rights of that companionship. By this, once we've figured out who the real companion is, we have to figure out the right way and the reality of his companionship. And as we know with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is one that we have to have adab with. So he's not like any other companion. When we're saying Allah is a companion, meaning he's somebody who's always going to be with us. Somebody who's always there for us. That's a companion. The idea of a companion is that somebody, anytime we need them, they're there. We can cry on their shoulders. We can share our happiness. Now, of course, physically speaking, none of that is possible, possible with Allah. But the idea is that you've got someone to speak to. You've got someone to respond to. You've got somebody who will respond to you. You've got somebody to speak to you. Somebody to confide in. Somebody to pray to. Somebody to seek help from. Somebody to seek refuge in. Somebody to ask for assistance. That's what we need a companion for. To feel good in this life. To remove unfamiliarity or infamiliarity or strangeness or loneliness that's why you need a companion you need a companion there's people who can't survive without people they always have to be with people they always have to have people so that's why they need somebody or the other and sometimes they can't find anybody or their friend has gone or they've had a little tiff or they've had a little issue and now they can't be with them anymore so then what happens is they feel all alone again. They feel that they've been let down. 
And I know that a lot of people will be wondering at this point is that how do you make Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a companion? Our idea of a companion that we just mentioned, how do I call out to Allah? How do I feel his reciprocation? How does he give me what I would get from someone else or even more or better? I guess that's all an experiential that has to be experienced, that has to be done first. Then that is when a person will understand that. But with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there has to be adab, there has to be etiquette. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we want him to be that companion, we want to embark on that path, that we want Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be that companion, then that means we have to fulfill adab and etiquette towards Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told us about his adab. So for example, there's a, we will have to, have that kind of embarrassment and bashfulness and etiquette in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so we, we don't want to be seen where he doesn't want us to be seen and we don't want to be found missing where he wants us to be so if he's telling us to be somewhere or expects us to be somewhere and we're not there subhanallah that's why the very famous hadith the Prophet sallallahu said to the companions istahyu min Allahi haqqal haya Exercise modesty, haya. Exercise modesty with Allah, in front of Allah, as much as is the right of that modesty. So they thought they were doing it because they had understood a certain idea of modesty, a certain idea of haya. So they said, Inna nastahi walhamdulillah. We are, we do exercise this haya and all praises to Allah. So the Prophet said to them, No, al haya min Allahi haqqal haya that the real haya, to exercise the right kind of modesty in front of Allah, as much as is the right of that modesty, is is very comprehensive, is that you protect the head and everything that it would include and relate it to the head. That means everything, thoughts in the mind and things you see with the eyes, things you hear with your ears, everything that's on the head and face. So that's how comprehensive, comprehensive it is. It's not just the feeling. It's also an action. It's also something that we have to actually do. And the Prophet is making it easy for us that this is how you do it. So everything to do with the head. Likewise, the stomach and everything that entails. And that means obviously food and everything else related to the food. So haya is just not like I feel a modest. You know, I'm a very modest individual. I'm more modest than how arrogant, how, how much of a braggart that individual is. So I must have modesty. You know, I don't go out in front of people like that. I don't dress like that. Look at the way he or she dresses. I don't do that, so I must have haya. Yes, that's a level of haya, but the real haya is this. It's to take care of everything around the head and the, and the stomach. So all the food that we consume. And a way to do it is to remember the grave and becoming decomposed in the earth. The earth eating us up. That's another level. One level is that, okay, we become interned. We're interned into this subterranean earth. We're still whole. We still feel like we're something. And then to think beyond that, that then everything will come at us and there's a nat natural decomposition, disintegration, going back to the earth, 
from where we originally came. Minha khalaqnakum wa fiha nu'idukum wa minha nukhrijukum taratan ukhra. To have that concept in mind that eventually will be nothing. There'll be nothing left of us. Everything of us will be worn out, decomposed. Return back to the same atoms of the earth. As the hadith mentions, only one small amount, it remains. So to think to that level, that is what really tells us who we are. Because when we're living in this world, we're so confident because we have so many resources around us. We have a lot of confidence and security because we're getting our food and our clothing. We're in a relative state of security, so we don't feel vulnerable at all. That's why being wherever we are, whichever country, whichever whatever level we're at, when you think of the grave and especially beyond the grave, that's when a person really starts wondering. فَمَنْ فَعَلَ ذَلِكَ فَقَدْ اسْتَحْيَا مِنَ اللَّهِ حَقَّ الْحَيَاةِ That's what the Prophet said. That finally, whoever does that, whoever fulfills all of this, the head, the stomach protects them and everything related to them and then considers the death con consistently, considers the death, what's to come after departing this world in the grave and beyond then whoever does that, he has truly exercised haya in front of Allah as much as is the right of that haya. Now, without that, how can Allah be our companion? How can He accept to be our companion in the way... How can we gain the benefits of that companionship is, I guess, the, the right question. Allah is always there for us. But it's us who's preventing that. We've been given the phone but we don't bother putting in the passcode. So we can't benefit from it. So, your true companion is the one that will always be your companion, regardless of the situation. And your true companion, as he says, Ibn Atayullah says, is the one who is still your companion, even though he knows every one of your, unless he knows every one of your defects. Now, some people might be thinking, some gangster type people, that my friends know how bad I am. Right? They're still my friends. They know how bad I am, how crafty I am, how evil I am, but they're still my friends. That must be true friendship. Well, if that's the kind of friendship you want, then yeah, that's your friend. Remember, you'll be with your friends in the hereafter. So this is obviously speaking to somebody who wants a sound heart. And they know they've got defects. So the friend we're looking for is the virtual, virtuous friend. Is the one with virtue. That we get some benefit from. We can always go back to. To get something for the heart from. Which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And to be honest, you know. If you look at friendship. When a friend finds out something about us. It creates a bit of a bit of a weirdness in that relationship because then they have to see how they're going to react to us once they found out so there's a bit of that pretensiveness that comes about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has known even before we create we did the wrong that we were going to do the wrong but he wants us this person who just called me this morning that he went to another country and committed a haram and a peculiar weird type of haram by mistake he was going to commit one type of haram, but he ended up in another kind of haram and he's having sleepless nights. And he thinks that this is, cannot be forgiven. Allah forgives everything. 
Allah forgives everything. All, so then, if He forgives everything, then why do people then continue to do well? He forgives everything as long as He sees from us, as long as He sees from us that we want to repent. We want to change and go back to Allah. That we want to be closer to Him. You can't stay far and accept, expect Him to re, rekindle that relationship. So the greater the sin, the greater we're going to have to demonstrate that we're coming back. Because the greater the sin, that means that's how far we've gone. The greater the sin, that's how far we've gone from Allah. Small sin, we've gone a bit far. Now remember, small sin and that, it's all related to the sentiment in our mind, why we did it, and the gravity of the sin and so on. So the more we've gone further away, the more it's going to make an effort to get back. The further you've gone out, there's going to be more petrol you're going to have to put in the car to get back. You know, you're going to have to spend more to get that ticket back. It's cheaper to get to Europe than to get to Australia. You know, it's just simple, simple logic like that. So, of course, it's a graver sin. It can still be forgiven, but Allah just needs to see that from our heart. But with Allah subhanahu wa because He knows anything, there's never a pretensiveness there. It's always a straightforward relationship as long as we're open to it. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I mean, don't you know from the time that you are accountable, Allah has been protecting you. Allah has covered so many wrongs and sins that we've done. From the time that we've been, we can remember, Allah has, so why not now? What other friend is going to do that? Allah has protected us. There's so many sins. I mean, if He did not cover our sins, we would have been finished by now. And the other thing about Allah is that every time we've made an excuse to Allah, He's accepted it. And He's given us so many bounties. That's why, now look at this verse, right? There's another verse that relates to this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah At-Tawbah, إِنَّ اللَّهَ اشْتَرَى مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ أَنفُسَهُمْ وَأَمْوَالَهُمْ بِأَنَّ لَهُمُ الْجَنَّةِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has purchased, has brought, bought, has bought from us, from all the believers, their lives, their nafs, their lives, and their wealth. Because He's going to give us Jannah for that. So that deal is done. He's not offering the deal is done. Right? It's done. He will, he, his paradise is for us as long as we give Him our soul and our wealth. Right? Now, what's really interesting is that all of this was His anyway. We are His. We belong to Allah anyway. We say, Inna lillah wa inna ilayhi raji'un. But He still wants to give us, He still makes a deal with us. It's like, that's yours, but you know what? I'll pretend I'm buying it from you so I can give you some money. It's, it's all mine anyway, but okay, I'll consider it yours. I'll give you some money for it. So it was His, but then He said, I'm going to buy it from you because He wants to incentivize it to give us something for it. So what's the wisdom in all of this? Why did he do that? So many, uh, some scholars have mentioned three wisdoms in this of why this particular transaction took place. The nature of it, what comes from this. Number one, if you keep in mind this idea and the idea we said before that Allah knows all of our defects. If I buy this phone from you, all right, and then it turns out to be faulty, if I buy a car from a car dealer and it turns out to be faulty, I think they give you a grace period of one month or two months or three months. I think there's even a law that you can actually take it back if you find a defect in there that was not declared. And in Islamic fiqh law, 
If I purchase something from you and then I find out there's a defect in there, right, which should not be expected to be in there, then I can exercise my option to return it. It's called khiyarul aib. However, if I sell you this phone and I tell you it's got this problem, the GPS is not working, and you say, I agree, and you still buy it, now you cannot return it to me for that defect. Because it's something that was declared and you were happy with it that way. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows we have defects. He still purchased us with our defects, our, our soul. That means from his side, he's never going to give it. But he's not, never going to return that trade. The trade is done from his side. Paradise is for us regardless of how bad we are. As long as we maintain the karima. So he's, he knows all of our defects. He's not going to return the deal because of our defects. Number two. The other benefit of this purchase is so that we feel that obligation to give up ourselves to him. To hand over ourselves to him. Because that's what you do. If I've sold you this phone, it's wrong for me to keep it afterwards. In fact, in Islamic fiqh, if I sell you something and I say, I'll sell you my car, but let me use it for one week. Because my other car is coming after a week. But I sell it to you now. That's actually incorrect. Because I'm now benefiting from your product by transaction and that's wrong. If I sell it to you and you say, okay, and then you say, would you let me just use it for a week? You don't really need it, do you? Okay, no, then it's okay. Because that's bonus, that's optional. But in the first one, it was linked to the contract, it's not right. So now in this case, once you purchase something, once you sell something, you have to hand it over. So now Allah's purchase, that obligates us, it makes us feel like once we realize this, how many, how many believers keep this in their mind that we actually owe ourselves to Allah? They understand we have to, we have to worship, but they don't understand the transaction. This verse is not in most people's minds, what do you think? That Allah has purchased us, so that means we must give ourselves up. How many of us ever thought of it that way? Where Allah has purchased us already, there's a deal is done. So we have to hand over ourselves to Allah. Now, we've essentially, if we do now hand over ourselves to Allah. So if I, if, if I'm, if I have a sentimental connection to something, but I have to get rid of it, right? As in a trade. And I want to find, you know, I want to say this car... You know, I've, I've really used it well, but it's become too small for my family. I need to sell it, but I'd like to see it in somebody good's hand. You know, sometimes people have that sentimental value. So then he sells it to a person and mashallah, after two years, he sees it again. He's looking up, he's like, oh, alhamdulillah, that was my car. Even though you got nothing to do with that car anymore, you still feel that connection with that car. Right? Especially if they're looking after it. Right? So, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is that entity who looks after things in the best of ways. So if we are going to hand ourselves over to him, Allah will look after us in the best of ways. So there's only another be benefit in the fact that Allah has done this trade. The second benefit is he wants us to hand ourselves over as an obligation. But then we also know that because Allah is the best of walis, wali, is the best of caretakers. He's the mudabbir. He is the one who administrates and plans everything. He is Hakim. We're giving ourselves over to the best of those who can do that. It's these subtle relationships hardly anybody thinks about. They know Allah, okay, we must believe Him. 
and we're worried about his punishment and things like that. But this subtle reasoning of what is this intricate relationship between us and Allah? What is this relationship? And now this is coming to light. So Allah will look after his property. But let's give him that property first. Let's give ourselves over to him. And the third one is that Allah has purchased us. So we've become Allah's. So the third wisdom is this attribution to Allah. We are Allah's. Now, if, if there's someone who's superior, who everybody looks up to, and you're associated with that individual, that's another ego boost you get. That's another reason to be proud of, that I'm associated to that. I know such and such a person. Yeah, I've met him. You know? Last week I was in Liverpool and I met such and such a player. You know, people, just because you met him, you feel like you're better than everybody else now. Have you seen that? You know, subhanallah. This is relationships in this world. In fact, you have a t-shirt of somebody and you, you feel like you're more connected to them now. You know, you, you buy a t-shirt, a top of a certain player. That player doesn't know you. He may never ever see you, never even hear about you in your life, right, in his life. But for some reason, you feel closer to that player and that guy doesn't even know about it. I, I just saw one of my little, uh, this little girl of a friend and she had Kun Aguero, right? So I said it right. And I go, who is that? What, is that? what does that mean? Kun Aguero, because I thought maybe it's a team. I don't know what it's like. Oh, it's a football player. He's Brazilian, I think, and he plays for so-and-so. But how did you say it correctly? I said, well... Portuguese, I mean, it's just, so I said, Do you, does he know you? He said, she said, no. And she's like a nine-year-old, 10-year-old. I said, no. Is he ever going to know you now? So why do you, I just like him as a player. Uh, amazing relation, like you go after something, even though they're never going to know you, you're not going to benefit, right? You're not going to make any money out of this. You're not going to enhance yourself in any way. It's just a psychological thing, Ajib. You know, subhanAllah, just psychological thing. I just really thought about that. I said, she's only 10 years old. She's found a player. He will never know her. He's just going to make a bit more money because his shirt got sold. You're not benefiting in any way, but that's how you do it. That's how the dunya takes you. Now, that's nisbah. That's what he's talking about here. Allah wants our nisbah to him. Nisbat means attribution to him. If we don't necessarily want people to say that, we don't want necessarily people to, but if on the day of judgment I said, this was, he is from the Ahlullah, she is from the Ahlullah, the people of Allah, that will make a difference. And the way we need to become Ahlullah is to buy that t-shirt, not that one. You know, the t-shirt of the right team in the various different ways that you do that. And there are so many, it's easier, it's free to buy attribution to Allah or to attain the attribution of Allah. So the more ways we can be attributed, you've got people who go after, they want their phone to be Apple phone, they want their iPad to be iPad and their laptop to be that and this to be that and the watch and everything. Again, those guys are just making money off you. And here you are feeling like you're better than everybody else because you spent all of that money, mashallah. So the more things there are, but 
the only way we're going to do that with Allah is if we start understanding the relationship and what benefit we're going to get, like, true benefit. All of these other things, they get worn out, but the relationship with Allah, inshallah, only gets enhanced. Allahu Akbar. Now, that's Allah, right? To us, companionship. There's one hadith in which the Prophet told us to call Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala our companion. So there's actually a hadith which makes this very clear. It's in a very particular context. And the hadith is a dua. The dua is one, it's the dua of traveling. Right? Because generally when you're traveling, you're a lot more vulnerable. You have to rely on others, sometimes strangers. Because when you're in your hometown, you've got family, friends, neighbors, your home, right? Everything around you. But when you're traveling, you're in a strange place. So people buy insurance these days for that. Is traveling insurance halal? It's the big question of the day, right? That's kind of what they say. So we're told in our dua, when we travel is one of the, one of the lines in there is oh Allah anta sahibu fi safar you are the companion in the journey he's a companion our whole life the journey of this life but we generally don't feel vulnerable when we're at home unless we're suffering but when you're traveling you need that so in that case Allah actually tells us to call him the sahib sahib means companion the word Sahaba comes from the same place. And the Sahib of his Safar. Now, how do we gain? So fine. Now we've understood, inshallah, the importance of this relationship. We've understood the subtlety and the significance and the benefit of this. How do we gain this relationship? So just very briefly, two ideas. That which is going to encourage and increase this relationship. And that which is going to make firm the love and the bond are two things. Number one. From Allah's side, it's all happening already. He is the one who knows our wrongs, our defects, our vices, our bad thoughts. He still protects us. And in fact, He still is there for us. He is acting with forbearance. The hilm, forbearance. And he, he is willing to pardon, overlook. So from His side, He's doing everything. We just have to do our side of the bond. Our side of the deal. So he's doing all of that. Allah has enough attributes of being halim and ghafoor and everything. So he's doing his part. And the second thing is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us to worship him. To give him his due. Not that he needs it. He is independent and he is enriched even without any worship from us. But he wants to benefit us. So he says, okay, you do my worship. You remember me by doing my dhikr, by mentioning all of these words. As I said, if we cannot, regularly speaking, do some istighfar, some salawat on the Prophet and some dhikr of la ilaha illallah, subhanallah, alhamdulillah, Allahu Akbar, every day regularly, what are we getting from this life? It is just like wearing that t-shirt and not getting anything from that. We're not getting anything out of it. That's why the minimum that must happen is that we must have a certain amount of, aside from our salat, which is obligatory, we need to show Allah that we're doing more than what is the basics we need to do to just maintain. So that means to do this additional dhikr so that we become of those who remember Allah. Who, a companion is only good if he's remembered. What is the point of a companion? 
So Allah is doing his side of the deal. We just have to do our side by remembering him more. And the minimum is just do a hundred istighfar in the morning and evening. A hundred salawat in the morning and evening because we owe it to Rasulullah. And whatever we do for Rasulullah, uh, Allah loves it as well. And the karima la ilaha illallah, hundred times morning and hundred times evening. Read a bit of Quran. So have that much amount that we must do every day. Whatever, however much you're comfortable, start with that much and just do it every day. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will fulfill and will start reaping the benefits of his side of the deal as well. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to be his true companions. May Allah allow us to look at him and to, in, to, to really regard him in the correct way and to understand this relationship better and make it a reality for us. So I will read to you what Sheikh Abdullah Gango he says on this hikam and then uh, this hikmah and then we'll carry on. The friendship, he says, the friendship of worldly people is generally very fickle. It's very, it's very loose. It's very light. It can be broken very easily. When they discover your faults, they will cut ties, develop a dislike for the one who was a former friend. But the Creator maintains his relationship with his servants despite being aware of their innumerable deficiencies you know, from when we, were birth, on, when we were born. Only he should be one's true companion. For despite having full knowledge of the faults of his servants, he is always there for people to turn to. He is always there for us to turn to when we need him. Allah who have cultivated in themselves states of excellence also maintain their relationship with a person after they discover, they discover the defects. He's going on to a bit of a different subject we'll cover next time inshallah. The idea is that the people of Allah are also like Allah. They've taken on the characteristic of Allah. That they are the ones who will never leave you even if they find your defect. Because they're looking for a higher goal. They are the only true friends in this world. Besides Allah. After Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if you want to make friendship with anybody, then make the friendship with people of Allah because they won't give you up. They will be there for you. Even when they discover you've done wrong, they will try to help you overcome that wrong. So inshallah, we will look at that next time. اللهم انت السلام ومنك السلام تبارك ذات الجلال والإكرام اللهم يا حي يا قيوم برحمتك نستغيث اللهم يا حنان يا منان لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إنا كنا من الظالمين اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم يا الله يا الله يا الله we are your servants we are the offspring of your male and female servants. Oh Allah, everything we do comes from you. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we have no power except through you. Oh Allah, you are our Lord, our creator. You are our enabler. Oh Allah, you know everything that we do. Oh Allah, you are aware of everything that we will do. Oh Allah, we ask that you grant us your special forgiveness. You have kept us concealed. You have protected us. You have granted us security. You have enriched us. You have granted us health. Oh Allah, you have granted us so much more than so many others in this world. Oh Allah, your bounties upon us are abundant. We can never thank you sufficiently. 
O oh Allah, grant us the true sense and level of gratitude. O oh Allah, allow us to fulfill our side of the bargain. Allow us to hand our nafs and our wealth for your cause. O oh Allah, for this purchase that you have made for paradise. O oh Allah, grant us Jannatul Firdaus. O oh Allah, allow us to fulfill our side of the deal in such a way that we become entitled to your and worthy of your special forgiveness your special satisfaction, your special pleasure and Jannatul Firdaus in the company of your messengers and the Siddiqeen and the Shuhada and the Salihin. O oh Allah, make us of your awliya. O oh Allah, make us of your true friends. O oh Allah, make us of those who fulfill their part of the bargain. O oh Allah, make it easy for us to fulfill your worship and your obligation and to be devoted to you. O oh Allah, this is not easy with all of the distractions in this world, all the challenges that, are, that surround us and the baggage of sins that weigh us down. Oh Allah, remove this baggage of sin. Oh Allah, remove this burden of vices and wrongs. Oh Allah, that we have been carrying for so long. Oh Allah, grant us a sincere tawbah. Grant us a sincere repentance, a sincere turning back to you. Oh Allah, open up your doors for us again. Oh Allah, do not shun us. O oh Allah, do not forsake us. O oh Allah, do not prevent us from coming into your court. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, we are not worthy of your bounties and of your, your rahmah and your mercy. But O oh Allah, there's no one else we can ask these from. O oh Allah, we ask them from you. O oh Allah, and we have the greatest hope that you will grant us them. O oh Allah, you pick up the broken ones. You are the succor of the those who are in trouble, those who are in need. The, you are the one and the companion who is never too busy to, to assist. Oh Allah, only you we, we can ask from. Oh Allah, you be our true companion. Oh Allah, you allow us to think of you as the true companion and make our side and allow us to exercise that with you, exercise the modesty with you, the chastity and the haya with you. Oh Allah, allow us to be true believers. O oh Allah, may Allah bless these scholars who have taught us so much and who have allowed us to understand you in this way. O oh Allah, send your abundant blessings on our messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and grant us his company in the hereafter. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon. Wa salamun ala al-mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. O oh Allah, we ask that you, the kalima tayyibah that was, that was recited, O oh Allah, we ask, so many times we ask you that, O oh Allah, make this a source of benefit for those that it was recited for. O oh Allah, make it a source of benefit and acceptance for those it was recited, to, recited for. O oh Allah, all those who recited and those it was recited for, O oh Allah, we ask that you grant them a great jaza and a reward and forgiveness and salvation in the hereafter. And O oh Allah, make us of those who remember you abundantly, who remember you abundantly. And may Allah make all of our loved ones who have passed away and those of the mashayikh who have passed away, O oh Allah, grant them a great place in the hereafter and Jannatul Firdaus. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon wa salamun ala al-mursaleen. Alhamdulillah.